Welcome to Marvel Us Disney. Hey there, Mud listeners. It's your friendly neighborhood co-host, Aaron Adams. Jim and I had the honor of recording a live show at the Indie Disney Meet over the past weekend. We got to meet many of you in person, and you couldn't have made us feel more welcome. We were truly humbled and honored. So, let me say thank you to all of you, and let's get on with the show. Please give it up. Yeah. Now that we've got all that out of the way, let's talk about some comic books. Yeah. Where are we at? What's the news? Well, this it's so fascinating that we are here today talking about what's going on with Marvel because just last night we saw Guardians of the Galaxy 3 get kind of kicked down the road. This was a project that was supposed to begin shooting in January and... The footage that James Gunn was going to shoot while Guardians 3 was in production for that giant Epcot ride that is rising up in the parking lot or just at the edge of the parking lot by Future World. I mean, all of this stuff is suddenly on hold. And I I have to tell you, I was talking with an imagined friend. They're freaking out because they poured the concrete, they've erected the steel, they have ordered the roller coaster. And they have these giant spaces where this is where Zoe Saldana and Chris Pratt are supposed to do that funny moment on screen and and now there's no movie. Or does this mean that Imagineering has to hire David and Chris and Zoe on their own dime to come in and do this stuff and then pay to make the costumes and pay to do the makeup and it's like this changes the whole financial dynamic of this attraction right and never mind the fact that this was supposed to be one of the big selling points of disney world's 50th anniversary i mean the one-two punch of the remy ride opening in france and then you know you've got the guardians attraction that's opening in the old universe of energy building it's like look if we delay the start of production because there's only one executive at Disney who's actually said no to James Gunn. His name is Alan Horn. Now, Alan was the guy who came over from Warner's. This is the guy he delivered to Warner Brothers the entire Harry Potter film series. And they were like, that's nice. Now get out. And so he ends up over at Disney and masterminds this whole, gives Kevin Feige all the support he needs to do the Marvel movies. Likewise, is kind of right now in the middle of the whole Pixar situation, you know, trying to figure out what does a Pixar even look like post-John Lasseter. Alan's also 75 years old, and having had one huge success at Warner's and another huge success at, at Disney, is supposedly announced that he's riding off into the sunset in January. There's actually kind of this weird thing going on at Disney right now where if we get to December, January... Mm-hmm. And Alan's left, and suddenly this whole Me Too, Time's Up situation has changed. The voices in conservative media, who were the ones who actually went after James Gunn, are they going to be have something else occupying their, their attention? And so yeah. would it be possible during that window of time to bring James back? Now, I want to ask, now that we've got a room full of people, I would like to sure. get a survey. So James Gunn said some things that weren't necessarily great, but that was seven, eight, nine years ago. Is there anyone in this room that can go through their Twitter account or their Facebook page for nine or ten years and have something that they're not ashamed that they said? Anybody? I'm looking for one hand. Anybody? There we go. We got two, three okay, people out go. of a room. Okay, four. 
a majority of everybody in the house has said something where we look back and go, eh, I probably could have chose some better words on that post, right? And Jim has pointed out in the past that James Gunn used to work for Trauma Films. If you guys are familiar with that, that's... Toxic Avenger? The Toxic Avenger, I mean, for crying out loud, we know what kind of mess that is. It's in the depths of the dirt and the muck that we enjoy to roll around in, right? So if you go back through like my career at the various radio stations I worked at, when I was on a rock station, I was a much more aggressive attitude. I was about drinking beer and going to the concert, woo! But then when I was on a CHR station, it was much more family friendly. I was about going to the amusement park, riding the slide with the kids. And so my idea is looking back on it is I've been in a position at work where my personality has to change just a little bit to fit the place that I work in. My belief is James Gunn's gonna be back at some point. Right now, someone went through a Twitter feed and had to go back five to seven years to find something that they could pick at. But while he was working with Disney, while he was writing Guardians of the Galaxy, his attitude was pretty family friendly. I don't know of anything that we could really argue about in his Twitter feed during that time. And in fact, the saddest part of the story is there is honestly no bigger Disney fan on the planet than James Gunn. Seriously, I was there at the opening night party for Mission Breakout, and James Coke goes on stage, and he's, he's literally in tears, and he's talking in front of his cast that finds this hilarious, because they were like, because they shot the footage with him, and it's like, you are more excited about shooting this than the actual movie. And it's like, you don't understand. You know, other people want Oscars. I grew up in Southern California. I went to Disneyland. I want a ride. And I got my ride. He was so excited about doing the Epcot thing. And he, more to the point, he had finished writing the Guardians 3 script. Mm -hmm. And it's all ready to go. There is no better employee to have than a fan. Hmm. Because they give you everything. They love it. They eat, sleep, and breathe it. And if you want someone who just comes in and goes, yeah, I could do something that'd be kind of cool. I don't want him on my team. I want the person who will grab me by the back of my hair and be like, listen to me. This is going to be awesome. Uh, yeah. Okay. Hook me up. Sign me up. I want to be on that ride. And James Gunn was that kind of person. And I mean, I like the movies that mm. he did before. Like Slither was one of those creepy gross out B-type horror movies that was a lot of fun, had some gags, and he's always kind of dove into some of the, the darker, grittier, uglier stuff for fun. And then to see him come into Guardians and it's all family friendly, but it still has all the fun and the entertainment, I'm like so on board with it. And then you go back almost a decade into someone's digital life and you go, ah, oh, I found something that says you're a bad person. And I go, man, not in a couple weeks, maybe next year, yeah, he'll be back. I well, think. well uh, the, the other issue here, frankly, is the Disney shareholders have signed off on the Fox acquisition. The Fox shareholders have signed off on this acquisition. But these are two giant global corporations. And the European Union literally has to vote on whether or not Disney and Fox can make this acquisition. Right. There are still so many moving parts that I've had people at Disney say, look, we are hoping that by June of 2019, this deal will be closed. And in the meantime, this is what where it gets kind of interesting because Feige's had to take Guardians 3 out of the rotation. Mm -hmm. But now this is Kevin. It's like, hey, we're pretty close to maybe doing this Fox deal. And it's just sort of like, if we do. You got Fantastic Four available. You've got all the X-Men that you can relaunch. 
likewise Silver Surfer. And it, it's one of these situations where it's like, okay, which of these, and, and again, it's a, actually in a weird sort of way, it's a good problem to have because if we're talking six months a year out, there's a way that they can bring James Gunn in, there's a way they can get Guardians Volume 3 up out of the ground, but a slot is opened up for another Marvel project that perhaps could be one of these Fox properties. Right. Now, we're now celebrating the, the 10th year of, of Marvel Studios, and quick show of hands, how many of you saw Infinity Wars? Okay. And how many are you back in the theater next spring to see Avengers 4? Yeah, because yeah, again, we, we all left hanging. But that's supposed to wrap up the the third arc, mm-hmm. and then we launch the... Feige's been very carefully to, to the fact that it's not the fourth arc, it's a different wave, and because he didn't know which of the Fox properties they were going to be able to bring in. But I guess they've already begun sort of very quietly trying to... It's like they think the Fantastic Four is the easiest way in, mm-hmm. But this would be our third set. Yeah, I don't know if anyone knows this. You know, uh, Deadpool 2 recently came out on Blu-ray and DVD, and I just had seen some artwork of Ben Grimm, the thing, from Fantastic Four, where they had drawn him, for some reason, for the Deadpool 2 movie. Obviously, he didn't make it, because if you saw the movie, he's not in there. But they were toying with the idea, because Deadpool's owned by Fox, and Fantastic Four is owned by Fox, they thought... Maybe we could just snag one of the Fantastic Four and redesign them because the movie was garbage. Nobody really cares if we retcon them again and make them new. They did the same thing with Colossus. It's not the same Colossus we saw in previous X-Men movies, so it's okay to have that change. So they were actually toying with the idea of bringing in Ben Grimm for the Deadpool 2 movie, and I thought that would have been very exciting just because I have yet to see a Ben Grimm that I'm totally in love with. Another interesting little side note of this deal is, again, Disney, now that it's bought Fox, has to sort of follow through with a number of initiatives that Fox has already set in motion. One of them is the acquisition of Sky, which is this pay television system for Europe. Now, you have to understand that Comcast was also after Fox, and then respectfully bowed out. They raised the bid that Disney, or they met what Disney was going to raise the bid, and Disney was forced to come back with $72 billion. From Disney's point of view, Sky would be nice to have, but not essential. But for Comcast, this is a company that's mostly a national outfit, and they'd really love to have a stronger international presence, and Sky would give them the opportunity to do that. Basically, if you remember, when Comcast bowed out, they said, okay, we are ending our pursuit of Fox. So they have some goodwill between the two companies now. And Comcast really, 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 really wants Sky. So this back-channel conversation opened. So if we do the same thing you did with Comcast, that we withdraw our bid, we say, we will not continue to pursue Sky. We will not drive up the price of Sky, which was it, $37 billion? I think that's the most recent bid. In fact, Comcast just in the past week extended its bid by two weeks that they're looking to see whether or not they need more time and they need more money. And that's the thing. Why would they need more time? And supposedly the reason they need more time is that Disney and Comcast have been talking through a back channel and it's like, you know what we'd really like and you know what we'll, we'll take to walk away from Sky is if you sunset the rights to the Marvel characters at the Universal theme parks in Florida. 
By the way, for the people listening at home, there was a gasp in the back. A woman, there was a clutching of the pearls, I swear. Now, now let me explain the terminology of sunsetting. The way the deal is set up with the Universal Parks, they basically have the rights to the Marvel characters in the Massenger licensing agreement into perpetuity. And, and I will tell you flat out, the folks at Universal, the fact that Disney has been making this giantly, hugely successful series of Marvel Cinematic Movie, you know, it's like, please keep doing it. Because you know, we get more people who come into the park to ride the Hulk or to ride Spider-Man. And more to the point, when you go to our gift shops, they are piled with the official merch that has been made for the Disney Marvel movies. It's like, they don't even have to make their own merch anymore. It's like, bring in the Disney crap. It yeah. sells. Woo-hoo. All right. So, but it's one of these things where they still have to, to keep it up. And so it's, when is this deal ever going to end? But on the other hand, if they agree to sunset it in, say, five to seven years, that gives Universal the opportunity to to develop a replacement. And here's the thing, they already have. How many of you have seen the musical on Broadway, Wicked? All right. Universal's theater arm actually produced Wicked. And Mark Platt, he's had an office on the Universal lot for 10 years where it's like, are we making the Wicked movie this year? And it's like, no, it's still taking too much damn money out on the road. But the show's starting to creep in its tours, and it's not doing quite as well on Broadway. And so it's like, all right, so it's time to finally get serious about the Wicked movie. But again, it's the Wizard of Oz. It's this beloved property. So it's like, all right, well, if we do the Wicked movie, we should probably bring Wicked into the parks. And how would we do that? And it's like... Oh, we have this giant green coaster in Florida. The Hulk wouldn't really have to work all that hard to turn that into the Wicked Witch coaster. Get the friend who showed me the presentation is like, do you know the storm spinner? And it's like, well, that's where you put the tornado. Then you get on the Spider-Man ride and you travel through Oz. And it's just one of these things where it's like, it's such a gimme. It's already there. It's this long-running, beloved Broadway play that they're fairly certain the movie's going to be a huge success as well. And it's like, and you just drop it in. Universal doesn't have the Disney thing of the princesses, but they've got Elphaba, they've got Glinda, and it's just like, what little girl wouldn't want to have their picture taken with Glinda or Elphaba? And it's like, it's such a no-brainer. Well, in order to do that, we'd have to have an excuse to get the Marvel stuff out of her. In fact, the funny thing is about this deal, about the bringing the Wicked thing in, this actually dates back almost five, seven years ago. I mean, how many of you saw... Oz the Great and Powerful, the Disney film. Mark Platt is working on the Wicked musical, and he hears about this project that's that's being made at Disney with a code name Yellow Brick. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah, well, that's a real subtle name. Right. You know, what could that possibly be about? And, you know, he finds out, you're making an Oz movie? We're making an Oz movie. And it's like, what's it going to take for you to not make your Oz movie? And this is the term that Disney put on the table. It's like, seed the Marvel theme park rights in Florida and we'll abandon our, our Oz movie. But in the end, I mean, Universal's like, I, you're high, right? Do you, you understand how much money we make off of that theme park? No. So now, the fact that they extended their bid for two weeks, what's going on right now in that back channel? What are you guys talking about? And how long would you have to make a sunset period? Even the Harry Potter deal for the Universal has a sunset date, and it's supposed to end in 2026. I mean, mind you, there's two 10-year extensions. 
So at some point in the future, even Harry Potter is going to be, well, are we gonna, still going to have that? And what are they going to do with the castle afterwards? Look, Dracula just moved in. Throw up some cobwebs well, and... Uh... Right now, when anybody talks about doing something in a theme park, the, the rules have changed. And, uh, on the back of Harry Potter, the rules have changed. Yeah. You, you, you have Galaxy's Edge is supposed to be a world, a world that you visit. And so now, whenever somebody's looking about bringing something into the park, any park, it's like, what world are you bringing in? All right, I got a bone to pick. What? You've mentioned before that Disney's <clears throat> mildly paranoid about their Star Wars land because Solo didn't do phenomenally well. Hmm. Really? Um, Star Wars has been around for decades. We've got plenty of fans here. We've got the 501st Legion that showed up. We've had a droid show up here that I had to have my picture taken with to show off to my wife. I don't see one bad movie in this franchise killing an entire theme park land. Is anyone going to not go see Star Wars Land because Solo wasn't what they wanted? No one? What is Disney worried about? It's been around forever. It ain't going nowhere. When it's part of our pop culture. Let me be blunt here. You've spent $600 million on each of the Galaxy's Edges. So that's $1.2 billion. Cool. You have your hotel, that's $500 million. So you are just south of $2 billion. At a time where, again, you are laying out $72 billion to buy Fox. But they were going to spend that money anyway. It yeah. wasn't like Solo came out and it did well and they went, oh, let's trim back. Well, it, And they certainly didn't say, let's add more. That was part of the original game plan. The, the real concern with Solo is, if you think about it, that film is built around beauty shots of the Millennium Falcon. So much of the storyline, the how many parsecs it took to make the Kessel run. There's that. I, I mean, I like Solo. It was a fine movie. I'm not going to trash it. The one thing that stood out for me was when the Imperial theme came on as the, join the Imperials, we need you, up on the, the display. And then the Imperial March is playing as their theme music. And now in my head, Every time I watch another Star Wars movie, when that theme comes on, it's going to be like their official theme song. Like Darth Vader's got speakers on his Lambda class shuttle to start pumping out bum, bum, ba -dum, when he comes off. Is that how it works now? Because they use that theme. And it was, it was clever. My wife and I chuckled and went, ha! And then we went, oh, damn. That ruins the rest of the series because now every time I hear that song, it's their official propaganda music for the Empire and that was just one of those things where I was like ah, ah, bad taste in my mouth get it out get it out but I mean it was still a fun movie the fact that Han had to speak Wookiee mm -hmm. I thought was kind of silly because it's like Chewie's always known how to speak basic Star Wars English I get it and Solo had to prove I'm on your side I'm one of you I know your language and so it's like I'll forgive that and it was these little Easter egg moments of, oh, isn't it cute when they first meet? And I think that's kind of where no, the Star Wars, it, it was It was a good Star Wars movie, but it just had all these little things that I, I already knew about the Kessel Run. I knew he won the Millennium Falcon from Lando. I knew all these things, and it was kind of like, check, 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 and I didn't get a new adventure. I got to see an adventure that I've heard secondhand for the last 30 years. Interesting. It's still a Star Wars movie, and I still love it, and I'm not going to, you know... Go, I hate it. It will be in part of my library. I will watch it again. You know, I guess I could have summed up this whole segment by saying it doesn't have to be a perfect movie to be an enjoyable movie. We're going to pause the audio here and we'll be right back with more stories and banter from Jim and myself. Stick around. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All righty, back to the live show of Marvel Us Disney from the indie Disney Meet. Though to circle back to one of your questions, I swear to God, I was a friend who works at Universal Creative and I asked the very same question you did about what do you do? I mean, what do you do? You lose the rights to Harry Potter. Mm. Warner's is actually getting very aggressive on the theme park front. They just opened a park in Dubai that actually is really good. And more to the point, out in Hollywood, they've started doing their own sort of Halloween Horror Night thing on the lot. I mean, last mm. year they did something built around The Shining that honestly, they should have offered everybody a complimentary adult diaper. I mean, it was just, you know, just, I'm sorry, very intense. But I, I so said, what would happen if you, you said, well, come on, it's obvious. It's like Miyazaki. Evidently, in the theme park industry, there are, there are several properties that people have chased like crazy. Right. Miyazaki is one. Oddly enough, Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings uh, Hobbit, in fact, there was a plan for Universal. They were going to flatten all of Toon Lagoon, and that was going to be Hobbit Town. You were, you know, a little be able to wander through that, and I guess the old Popeye Theater was going to be for okay. Dark Ride. Quick question now about Hobbit Land. Yeah. Would it be scaled to Hobbit size or to our size? Because <sighs> it would be great to explore, but then you'd have to be on your hands and knees crawling through it. So I would imagine it'd have to be full size, right? That's one of the things that kind of bit them in the butt during the development process. In fact, they were trying to figure out how, when they did Pandora, to bring in the citizens of the Avatar world, the, right. the, the Navi. Well, I think it's Len who made the joke. It's like, well, so they go to like Brazil and hire all the retired fashion models and paint them blue and put them on stilts. Right. But they actually were doing some experimentation with you know, those bouncy leg things mm -hmm, and, mm -hmm. and trying to create costumes where they could have a couple of Navi out doing meet, meet and greet. And they play tested it out in Burbank and it was just sort of like lots of children who clutched their parents like, no, I'm not going near the big blue scary woman who bounces. On the other hand, they have been testing some Marvel related stuff. I don't know if you've seen the new Stuntman robot footage that Disney had out there. The footage that they're showing is actually from an Iron Man stunt show that they're doing where literally they're going to be throwing Iron Man over, you know, the robot over the audience and have him doing action poses and then disappear backstage and have an actor come out. At least in regard to California, we have so much great Marvel-related stuff that's coming. But the problem is, again, it's making Disney crazy because they're developing all of these shows that they can put in Hong Kong, they can put in Paris. The Hong Kong, they actually put off the, the opening of the Ant-Man and the Wasp ride that was ready to go this summer. They, they pushed it to next year, but it's this brilliant redo of Buzz Lightyear. For those of you who know the Buzz Lightyear ride that used to be if you had wings, I mean, the whole conceit is they took the old, they kept the exact same Omnimover system in place. Kept the ride track in, they flattened all of the sets, and then just installed these faux guns in each of them with the light element. 
so it's they're keeping that exact ride system in place you will you are riding with ant-man of the wasp you have been trunk you are helping them battle against zemo baron zemo baron zemo wow so it's making them crazy that they're developing all this amazing stuff for disney's california adventure because that's the park that all of this marvel stuff is going to go into because just to be completely honest here they're trying to convince you that when you come to the park and you have to decide between Star Wars or Marvel because they really want you to go to the park that is Marvel because they're terrified. I think we've mentioned that a couple times over the course of today's event. It's like right now Disney expects there's 100 days out of the year that Disneyland will close for capacity issues by 9 o'clock in the morning. And that's nuts. I mean, how would you like to have driven up for the day to get to Disneyland? It's like, the moose out front should have told you. <laughs> <laughs> But who wants to be sent away from Disneyland? So, I mean, the giant Spider-Man attraction, Len actually got a hold of the patent. It is the scariest damn looking ride. The ride vehicle is at the bottom of a pendulum. You are literally sitting in a thing that swings back and forth just shy of 180 degrees of movement, okay? But you are supposedly following Spider-Man through the concrete canyons of Manhattan as he's pursuing, I want to say God, the, the Green Goblin. Goblin. Okay. So you're in this giant warehouse building. In fact, this is the giant building that's being built on top of Bugsland, the thing they're closing in California right now. So it's in this giant warehouse-looking building that's going to have roughly three to four stories worth of practical show sets to either side. So as you're swinging back and forth, you are looking into rooms at individual apartments and seeing, you know, again, that's where you get your Stan Lee cameo. But to really sell the illusion, when you look down to the floor, they are using digital technology to extend the set down 20 and 30 stories. So you think, as you're riding through, you're looking down and seeing traffic and seeing the extended thing of this version, that you are flying 30 and 40 stories tall above this. And I'll tell you from having talked with the Imagineer who's the lead on this, and it's like, and you're going to be able to clean those screens. <laughs> from people going, uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, they should have a sign with the churro. It's like, no, don't eat that. There's a complimentary on. bag that they hand you there when they get go. on the ride. You go, what's this for? They go, you'll so, know when you need it. You know. <laughs> so, but seriously, would that make a difference to you guys? I mean, right now, Disney is, is hoping... Who knows if the sunset deal actually goes through? I mean, a lot of this kind of depends on Disney behaving itself and Comcast behaving itself, and giant corporations don't do that all that well. If it ends up that this stuff doesn't make it to Florida, would this make a difference? Would you folks then be more likely to get on a plane to go to California to Disneyland because DCA is going to have all this Marvel stuff? Yeah, there's a lot of heads nodding in the room going, yeah, mm. L.A. bound, let's go. Half the business model for Disney is based on the fact that when you develop an attraction, you want to walk it around the world. You want to get all the, the money out of it you can. It's honestly, it's making the folks in Florida crazy that they are limited in what they can do with the stuff in Florida. At the same time, they are so handcuffed by the terms of the deal how many of you know the story about the skinned monorails that, that go around the parks that feature the, the, the Mar Every so often they do one to, to promote a Marvel movie. That monorail can only go 
on the Magic Kingdom loop because the Magic Kingdom loop doesn't actually enter a theme park. Whenever they do this, they have this mass meeting with all the monorail pilots and basically say, okay, here's the deal. The day you screw up and take the wrong monorail over at Epcot, the moment you enter that park, you void our master licensing deal and there's a $10 million fine. We will kill your entire family. <laughs> and so it's like, you know that booth at the t Transportation and Ticket Center? Well, you, you see the, the dispatch guy. Every time the monorail is headed over to Epcot, it's like, okay, no Spider-Man on that side, no Iron Man on that side, you are free to go. So it's such a, a weird space for the company to be in. I think it's only going to get more complex. And right now I've got a great fear mm -hmm. is... My two favorite franchises in the world are currently owned by Disney. I love me some Star Wars. I was there in the theater in 77, saw the Star Destroyer go over my head. Many of you are nodding from the same experience, changed your life, turned you into a nerd. Welcome to the club. My first words I read were Thwip out of a Spider-Man comic book. Now Disney owns all of the things that I hold dear. And one thing that I get concerned about is, well, Disney had stuff before Star Wars and Marvel. They had princesses, they had adventures, they have animation. They've got a Mary Poppins movie coming out at the end of the year, which Jim talked about a little while ago. They've got a lot of movies that they make. And I want my Marvel movies, regularly, of the highest quality, please. Also, same thing for my Star Wars movies. And what I get worried about is, now they're gonna own Fox. What's Fox got? How much stuff do they have in the pipeline that Disney's got to finish off? How many creative people do they have that are that great that you can actually churn out quality material every single time? I don't want to hack on Star Wars. I don't want to hack on Marvel movies. I want your A-team. And the one thing that I'm okay with about Marvel is because they bought Marvel as the, the comic book company, the people that work there knew the history of Marvel better than anybody else in the world. So when it came time to tell those stories, they had a wealth of information that they could pull from. They had the talent that had been there for decades that they could pick their brain on and come up with the best way to tell a story. Civil War was a comic book only five, ten years ago, and now it's a great movie. Slightly different, still has some of the same elements, some characters are missing, but mostly it's there. And so as fans, I go, oh, I get to see it in real life because I've been waiting for this my whole life. And so now that Fox is looming on the horizon, well, Avatar is a property, and you know there is this Avatar land in Disney World. I don't think they're just going to suddenly ignore it because they got Marvel and they got Star Wars. There are going to be Avatar movies that James Cameron says, oh, there's going to be three or four more, and it'll only take me another decade to get on one of them. But the thing is, you know, there's, there's all these properties and how much content can Disney put out that is going to remain that high bar quality for us, the fans. And when it comes to Fox, what's going to get left by the wayside? Because there's going to be a lot of stuff that they're going to look at and go, we really don't need that for our brand. We're okay to let that just kind of die. Well, the other thing to take into consideration here is this time next year, Disney will have launched its streaming service. Ah, there's and the answer. Disney has told folks in the industry they're trying to be as strong as possible. The whole notion is they want you to look at the movies that Disney's going to make available through its streaming service and think, I really have to get 
that service. They don't want it to be, here's Disney theatrical and here's the streaming service. They want them equal in quality. They want you to think that I really need to see that. And so it's been fascinating talking with people at the studio about what they're planning. In fact, been trying to get somebody else to confirm this story, but evidently, just recently, the head of the studio went to New York to go see Hello, Dolly, and went to backstage to meet with Bette Midler and said, you know, that version of Hocus Pocus we're making for the Disney Channel, okay, we're not gonna do that anymore. How would you feel about you and Sarah and Kathy coming back and making another Hocus Pocus movie, but for the streaming service? In fact, they just published this past summer a sequel which I say, don't read it, it's terrible. It's one of these things where there's a whole school of thought that less is more with entertainment, and this sequel is more is more. You get to meet the Sanderson sisters' mother, Drusilla the Dreadful. You get to meet their good little sister, Elizabeth, who was saving people in the city of Salem. You have a big action scene at the end where there's 380 witches flying around a lighthouse in, in Salem. Evidently, Bette Midler is like, fine, I'll think about doing this, but I want a good script. So we could get a Hocus Pocus 2 turn up on this thing. We've got a live action reboot of Lady and the Tramp, which I don't think anybody was asking for, but they're yeah, making it. Yeah. And we've got Star Wars projects headed that way. We've got Marvel projects headed that way. You know, the live action and what was the first one that just came out a little, was it Jungle Book was the first one? Um, they did a live ad- adaptation? Well, no, they started with Cinderella, then they did, I want to say... Well, with the CG heavy... Oh, Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast, to be honest. Okay, so, and then we've got a... Favreau is working on... Lion King. Lion on King. A live-action Lion King. And it almost seems like Disney go, is looking back in the vault going, what made us a billion dollars? All right, do it live-action. We'll make another billion dollars. Actually, what they found is there's a whole generation of younger moviegoers that when they look at something that's hand-drawn, and it's like, and and I swear to God, oh, that's old-fashioned. They want the CG. Look at Tim Burton's CG version of Dumbo. When you look at, uh, you know, Will Smith next year, Aladdin, or for that matter, I've got a friend who just heard the song that Beyonce has recorded for the Lion King Mm -hmm. live-action thing next year, and it's just sort of like, this is going to play at every wedding from here to forever. I always feel like when I'm dealing with Disney these days that they just kind of view me as a support system for a wallet. Which is why this is the first time I have not purchased when The Last Avengers came out. I did not buy the Blu-ray. First time I have not purchased a Marvel one. You know why? They didn't put it out in 3D. I bought every Blu-ray on 3D because I said, one day I'm going to have a 3D TV. I had just bought a 1080, so I didn't have the money to upgrade right then. And so I bought all my Blu-rays on 3D. Here's the cool part. They keep the IMAX ratio on the Blu-ray for the 3D movies. And if you just watch the standard, you lose 26% of the picture off the top and the bottom. Hmm. So I was like, even if I didn't have a 3D TV at that time, I could still watch the 2D conversion of the 3D and get 26% more picture. So now, 10 years later, we come to Infinity Wars. And I am so excited because I've got an OLED 4K 3D TV. I've got all my content. I've been binge watching all of everything in 3D. And this is the first time where they went, yeah, we really don't make that much money off 3D. We're not going to do that anymore. So now I have to buy the European disc 
region free because they've got a 3D version which will keep the IMAX ratio and I can see it all on my screen. Is this the part where I tell you about the re-release of Infinity Wars in 3D next spring prior to Avengers 4 or, or um, should I wait? Right? I'll wait because I'm, I'm already going to buy the European version. I don't care. I will have it. If okay. they re-release it and they double dip, I may okay. buy it right. if Just it's extended. I'm, are they going to extend I'm saying, it? Don't be shocked. Are they going right. to make it from three and a half hours uh, to five hours? Then uh, yes, I'll buy it. Okay. <laughs> well, anyway, folks, I, I so appreciate you coming out, and hopefully you, you had a good time watching us Japper cook live and in person. Any questions before we go? Or Yes. So what you said about the streaming service, yep. do you think they'll bring back Aliens since that's a Fox company? And if they do... Will that mean that the alien queen is Disney Princess? Oh! <laughs> Come on, you know, give it up for that question. That's a brilliant question for today. All right. As silly as that sounds, Google Don Bluth Disney lot. Because Don Bluth was on the Disney lot four weeks ago for a very, very secretive meeting. And I got to remember, a lot of the films that Bluth made got released through Fox. I got a contact from somebody who's into Disney consumer products, and it's like, Fox has Anastasia, the musical, on Broadway right now. As we were talking earlier, you know, Disney circling back on all of these properties and reshooting them as live-action movies, you know, Jungle Book and Beauty and the Beast and Aladdin and Lion King and so forth, and they're going to run out. And so the notion is, well, how do we actually turn Anastasia into a Disney princess? We shoot the live action movie as a Fox property that we then bring into the park. So you make jokes about Disney princesses coming out of the Fox world. That's something that's actually being considered. But will she be played by the alien queen? There we go. <laughs> um, though, and, and, and one quick uh, side note about the alien property. Do you know about the, the Void Project at Disney Springs? So they're prepping new things to put into the Void. And supposedly, from a friend who's on the project, there were two more Star Wars-themed things that they want to bring in. But behind that is a special only run on Disney property from September 1st to October 31st, an Aliens experience. So you put on the VR helmet and you are in the space with okay. the Alien Queen. I got to tell you, there is only one way to do that properly. Yep. You have to be set up with eight crew members, all of which get killed horribly. <laughs> and you're the only survivor. And when you take off the goggles, you're like, did I make it? Where did all the people go that yeah. I was with? And I don't just know. Just a, about. See, the problem, I'm, I'm, I'm an almost 60-year-old man. My idea of being frightened is opening the visa bill. So, you know, <laughs> I, you know, just, I, I really, this does not sound like something I want to do. But I get that people could enjoy that. But, yeah, I mean, crazy as it sounds, really, the Trust me, the alien is about to become a real revenue stream for the Walt Disney Company. Uh, any other questions before we fold up here? Or? All right, well, again, thanks for coming out, Everyone guys. Everyone, round of applause for yourself. Thank you. Thank we you. greatly appreciate you spending time with thanks. us. More Marvel Us Disney will be coming soon. In the meantime, check out one of the other great shows found only on the Jim Hill Media Network.